Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Michelle Tennant. Good Morning America producer Mabel Chan calls Michelle Tennant Nicholson a five-star publicist. Michelle calls herself a storyteller to the media. For for more than 30 years, media friends have solicited her help in crafting news stories by requesting sources, sound bikes, and statistics. Michelle lives in Asheville, North Carolina, and is here to talk about her 21-day PR action guide, the who, what, when, and where to launch a successful PR campaign. Welcome, Michelle. I'm so glad to be here, Bill. Thank you. It's so much fun to be with you. Tell me, when you were growing up, who's somebody who influenced or inspired you? Okay, I'm going to tell my age just a bit, okay? But I love the bionic woman. So Lindsay Wagner, and I actually had the privilege of meeting her in D.C. at a private event many years later, but I just loved her, especially the power of listening. That's right, because she had the bionic ear. The legs and the ear were her replacement part. Yes, as a publicist, I have the gift of gab, so I can talk your ear off. You let me go, I will go for a full hour. I think that through my lifetime, I've learned that listening is really a superpower. And so I think that's why she inspired me the most. But also just wanting to be like a strong female, a little girl, like getting out there and making a difference with the world and saving the world. It's fabulous. Can you remember a decision that you made either as a teenager or early in your career that was inspired by her that you might not have made if you didn't have that show as part of your experience and her example as part of your... There was a teacher that I had. I went to an all-girls all Catholic high school and I was in the theater program. Mrs. Schwartz said, or Schweitzer, it was Mrs. Schweitzer. She said, Michelle, I think you should try out for this program downtown. I was like listening and thinking big. I know that one of the things that this particular drama teacher saw in me is that I could go really far with my theatrical abilities. And I listened to her. She showed me a thing in the newspaper, story of a girl who later became one of my best friends. Her name was Candy. And she said it was all about Candy and how Candy was at this school and that I should go audition too and I might just make it. So back in the day, it was like fame, I'm going to live forever or glee and how young girls dream of being that famous actress. If it wasn't for me listening to that teacher, I don't think like having that powerful listening, I don't think I'd be here today. Is that something that you've actually spent time thinking about and deliberately practicing to improve your listening as part of your professional skills? Absolutely. 100% as an entrepreneur, I think that when I started, and I'll just go ahead and tell my age, I know many women don't, but I've seen PR transition from typewriters to Twitter. I am that old. So I started doing PR when I was 20. I'm now 52. And I think that at the beginning, I was always telling people the stories. Now with clients a little more seasoned in my midlife, I'm listening more acutely for the stories that will make a difference either for that client or for that target audience or for the press in general. I think that listening ability when you're a young entrepreneur, you're really gung-ho ready to go and you might not take a step back and say, gosh, am I listening to what's best here and what's being placed right in front of me that I can actually utilize and leverage. A lot of times, young entrepreneurs, it's right there in front of them just for the taking and they might overlook it. I know I did. That's really interesting. I'm a big believer in that as well. I came to it from Ben Franklin. Not that I knew him personally, but I liked his wisdom and the witty way that he would put it 
where he says we have two ears and one mouth and we should behave in proportion. <laughs> I've heard that. I've read that quote before too. I love it. Yes. Michelle, can you think of an example of when you were being pitched by a client or you were pitching something to media and because you were listening carefully, you knew that made a difference in how you could proceed and you either got the job or you landed some media exposure as a result of one of your superpowers of listening. I remember being on the phone with Good Morning America and the producer was doing a family segment and I kept recreating what she said. So one active listening skill that all entrepreneurs, I highly recommend, is just repeating what somebody just said to you. Because so, when you repeat back, it lets them know that you've heard what they were saying. Exactly. It lets you know that you heard Heard what they said, right? Just like that. Like you can do that with Bill, like we're doing right now. I, I was really wanting to earnestly get her the sources that she was requesting. She could tell that not only I was really eagerly to, you know, eager to get it, but that I then went and did it and then called her back and repeated it again. She just looked at me, it was over the phone, and she said, Gosh, you are a five star publicist. And immediately, because I'm a publicist, I said, Ooh, can I quote you? To my surprise, she said, Yes, you may, which of course I always always ask, can you quote me? A lot of times they say no. In fact, nine out of 10 times they say no. But in this case, she said, yes, I have used that five-star publicist moniker ever since. Thank you, Mabel Chan, once again. <laughs> that was part of your intro. Because <laughs> I'm listening, right? I was at the reason why that came about. What I want to call out is how many times people hear business people or prospective clients that they're working with describe something and don't pick up on it. What you're showing is that by listening, you could really stand out and gain some distinctive ways to stand out and get noticed for the good. You're able to use that for leverage and it sets you apart because not everyone has that. Here's a tip that you won't hear anywhere else. It's hard to listen to complaints. Am I right? I agree. I think that people have a much harder time listening to complaints than they do praise. You will never listen to complaints the same way again. Let me just say that complaints are just a front for a commitment. If you can get past the pain of whatever that person is describing, they wouldn't even take the time of day to communicate their complaint if they weren't really committed to being in relationship with you, doing business with you. So really seeing that complaint as a gift in disguise, it just has a little bit of maybe a little dirt, that diamond. You just want to rub that dirt off and say, and they might be coming at you really hot. And you can just say, gosh, instead of why are you complaining, which most of us do, especially with our loved ones, instead of saying that, I recommend it sounds like you're committed to XYZ. And that person will melt. And they're like, yeah, I am. I'm really committed to, or they'll correct it and say, no, I'm committed to this instead. But it lets you know then how to get inside what makes a difference for them. And that is really what, that's really what business success is all about. I because you're dropping down. I think that typically when people are hearing a complaint, they feel like it's an attack. And the typical response is either fight where you argue with them or deny it or invalidate their experience or flight. You look to run away. This is another option. It's saying, listen to what they're saying. And instead of choosing that reaction, respond and say, either tell me more or tell me what the commitment is behind what you're telling me now, the details of that. Can Let's make it more concrete. Michelle, can you tell me about a time when you heard a complaint from media contact or perhaps a client and you were able to ask for the commitment and what happened as a result? I, there was a woman that 
that I had been pitching for nine years at the Wall Street Journal. Her name is Elizabeth Bernstein. I still pitch her to this day. But at the time, she was really complaining that she didn't have a lot of sources who would actually engage and tell her a lot of stories. And her column is called Bonds. So it's about relationships. So to an author, an expert, or just an average Joe or Jane, get on the phone with her and then talk her ear off for 30 minutes, only at the end of the 30 minutes to be said, saying, oh, I'm sorry, that seems really personal. I don't want to go there. You can't print that. So she was complaining to me like, gosh, I really, I said, you know what? I've got a few people who are willing to go the extra mile. It was a pinnacle moment in my career where I got a client on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And that was her column. It said on the front page, how to fight and stay friends. The thing about commitments, we're talking about it also in just relationships like Bill and Michelle or the average person and their clients and whatnot. But actually, it's also the secret sauce to a great PR campaign. That's really important to remember. And you got your client on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. That's a big deal. How did that change your relationship with the writer? She was also excited that her editor put that content on the front page because she's also wanting the notoriety of having her pieces. At the time, it was when everything was still print. And if you're on the front page of the masthead, that's really important because then you're all over the world. People are walking by those kiosks and they see the top of that paper. She really, to this day, still trusts me and my sources and always comes back to me and just thinks that I'm the cat's meow. Oh, Michelle, can you get me somebody here or there? Especially if she's needing somebody in a pinch. So it really is just another way in business when you say you're going to do something and then you deliver, that's everything. And that just builds trust over time. Then people can really say, okay, this person is going to keep their word and there's somebody safe to do business with. The name of your company is Wasabi PR. What are some of the symptoms that prospective clients are experiencing before they reach out and say, I think I need your help? Yes, we're in an age where there's a lot of internet play and people, you know, in fact, as far as our ages are concerned, I have young people, young potential clients, and they might not even know what a traditional press venue needs. They're going to confuse something like the Wall Street Journal with Instagram, and they're very distinct. So the first educational piece to get everybody talking the same language is to talk about what is paid media, what is owned media, and what is earned media. I would even take a step back and say, what is authoritative media versus user-generated content? Ooh, I love it. Exactly. How do you explain to someone the value authoritative media versus something that they could just post that their friends could see? What are some of the benefits? Educate us right here and now with two or three of the key points that make that so much more powerful, so much more of a difference maker to be in that media. So you want to establish yourself as the expert, the authority. And when other people are talking about you as the authority, then people are like, wow, that media venue, that Wall Street Journal is quoting them. They must actually actually really be something or they must be trustworthy. So one, it's about authority and credibility. So the other thing is to give people a glimpse of your content. If you're mentioned by traditional press, then you can actually say I was mentioned by traditional press and here's a glimpse of kind of a taste of my content. So in the example of the Wall Street Journal, How to Fight and Stay Friends, which was for my client Landmark, they're all about communication and relationships, personal development courses 
courses around the globe. People are always like trying to figure out what does that mean? What is a personal development course? So it gives them the benefit that you might receive once you do the course in a little glimpse of this article. So you've got authority, you've got a little teaser. And the last piece is really content. So everybody talks about content is king. We've got to have all of our social media assets, all of which is basically your owned assets. They have to have content. So it just gives you another opportunity to showcase, hey, I was on this. They thought I was credible. We talked about this content. And now you're talking about giving you something to share on social media. So it's that extra piece of content to leverage who and what you are and what you say and what you do. Because of your expertise, Michelle, I'm going to ask you a question that we just can give a little bit more context to this. We are very familiar with the mainstream press for business, including the top newspapers, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today are some of the national papers. And we go into the professional journals. We have Forbes, Inc., Fortune Magazine, Wired, Fast Company, and all of our listeners are familiar with those. How do you differentiate when a new publication comes along or you start seeing it in your social media feed and it says, we're the next Fortune Magazine, but they're called something you've never heard of. If there are no Chinese characters in it, how else should you be suspicious of it of it claiming to be that? How do you validate that something is a legitimate authoritative media source? I guess that's putting somebody on the defensive and so it's not always so nice, but at the same time, the proof's in the pudding. So go to the social media and see how many listeners they have, how many viewers, how many people are actually engaging them on YouTube. There's plenty of places where you can actually check out if somebody's legitimate. If it comes to magazines, they publish their media kits and you can see how much they charge for what we used to call ink and airtime. Let's keep it simple. It's really in the world, even today in the internet, it's basically in broadcast, right? You're either print, writing it up as an article, your broadcast, your visual element, audio, like TV, radio, podcast, whatnot. So just take a look and see what the owned asset is for that particular venue, okay? And also, I like to look at the advertising that they do, which is the paid media. So what? how are they advertising themselves? Are they presenting themselves in a professional manner? If they do have earned media, which is someone has successfully, someone from their organization, a publicist or an information officer inside the company has enrolled other journalists, hosts, podcasters to cover them and they paid and owned assets. What is that actually? What's the reach of that? So I'll put a client like our Ken Honda. He's our Zen millionaire who's based in Tokyo and his whole platform's on happy money. So we like to get him in CNBC and things of that nature, but we also got him on Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. That particular interview has, I don't know, half a million views. That to me shows that's a credible and worth the client's time versus somebody who might have two listeners. Now, if the person is new, if the client is new and they've never done any interviews, I'm going to put them on with somebody who has two listeners. Why? The stakes are lower and they get practice. So it's not that those, your friend's podcast isn't valuable. It is, especially for people who are new and trying to get used to doing that. But before you go do the Good Morning of America, you want to just look at, rate them like one to 10, 10 being Good Morning America, one being your friend's podcast, and you're just getting your feet wet. Because it doesn't say that you're never going to be up on Good Morning America or on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It says what's going to be the best match for your experience and your story so that you could build on that experience today for more publicity in the future. How should business leaders be thinking about the availability and the way to leverage the media given today's pandemic conditions where we're not talking about things as much and we are relying on things as a, a 
one-way broadcast. It's a great question. The pandemic forever changed the press. They're very furloughed. So they are in need of content. So if you can write and you can provide what makes a difference for the public and health, wealth, and love, right? How do you make people healthier? How do you make people wealthier? How do you have them experience love and intimacy with their family and friends? Those types of topics will always have a place with the press, whether it's your local press, national press, or trade press. And they need that content right now because the pandemic really forced their business models to really also evaluate, okay, are we going to stay in business? Are we going to go online? How is the digital component changing everything? It's a better time than ever to actually roll out an earned media campaign because the press need it. They need help, especially your local press. Have you used that strategy with any of your clients to be able to build up the repertoire of stories in their press? Yes, I think that every day, right, Bill? So there was an example with Dr. Bradley Nelson, and he is a chiropractor, and he also created a program where he was educating other healers into a program he calls the Emotion Code. What is that really? His particular Emotion Code, you have to go through a a practitioner training, but every day, all day long, he can talk about the pain of the body and how to alleviate pain, how to stress less, how to be healthier around the holidays, how to actually succeed in a virtual team environment because he went from an office that was in a location in Utah to something that was actually globally. Now he's got 6,000 practitioners worldwide, really big in Europe, Germany of all places. One of the things that has helped him is he's really leveraged his paid and owned strategies, but alongside that also are earned. So we get him on local TV, we get him on Mind, Body, Spirit TV, as well as places that are general consumer like Reader's Digest. So all these coupled together, he maintains his expertise. He gets a little taste of that content out, right? He's telling people as a doctor how to stress less and be healthier. At the same time, his proprietary method, which is really using muscle testing and magnets, is maintained for his paid programming. If somebody believes that they're ready to start getting more media and understands how it can really benefit their business, how could they get started to explore this maybe prior to working with a professional agency such as yours? I'm a big believer in do-it-yourself PR. Everybody can mow their own lawn. You can mow your own lawn. You don't always need to hire that professional service to mow your lawn. The first thing to do is get your materials together. So what are you actually going to say that makes a difference for the public? If you don't have that, you don't have a PR campaign. But every single entrepreneur is solving something for another person. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business. So start with that. Then you actually create your media materials. You've got your pitch. We know what pitching is, right? Because we've all seen Shark Tank and different shows where we're pitching each other. Because of TikTok and Instagram, the word pitch, let me pitch you, is used even by our younger generations more than ever. It's the same thing with our pitch them a great idea and whatever your idea is and then your three takeaways. They love that. And once you actually give them that great content that you can mutually share, they're going to actually include you in their owned assets, their paid media. And then you're going to actually see it grow. It's really just being in relationship with the press, with the people. And the first place to ask is, where are you getting your news? What podcasts are you listening to? So as an entrepreneur, if you're reading Fast Company, then what type of content could you give Fast Company? I ask clients all the time, don't you think you could do it? They always say, yes, I can. Give me three takeaways on what that better is. And we'll pitch that to Fast Company. Michelle, you've got great 
great experience in this area. From your perspective, you've seen people do a very good job of building relationships with the media. I bet you've identified things to never do with the media because it signals that you're a rookie or you just don't understand how the game is played or you don't know how people benefit through the value of this authoritative media. What are two or three tips that people should just avoid to not step in the doo-doo of PR? Do not call the press and ask them, why didn't you use my last pit? If you really want to control what's written, then go buy advertising from that venue. I'm a big whitewater kayaker. I was kayaking with a journalist in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Her name's Kim. And Kim said that she constantly gets entrepreneurs who call her who are nasty and ugly and saying, I've already sent you this four or five times. They send the same pitch. They send the same book. They say the same thing. And it's a no. It's just that they can't get that it's a no. They're not listening back to our bionic woman, listening to what that journalist needs. The journalist doesn't exist to put that Kim's not writing about those entrepreneurs. So she was just laughing. We're kayaking. And she's, can you believe the nerve of people? It's just that it's innocent because a lot of times entrepreneurs don't know the difference between that paid, earned, and owned. And it's fine. Uh, Another mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make is just not having all three work together. They might just have an online social media campaign. Maybe they're just doing Facebook ads, but then they're not leveraging the earned media that's existing. Or maybe LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, you can send in articles on LinkedIn or your local paper. Everybody goes to get coffee. You get coffee, Bill. You like coffee? I love coffee. Well, I go to a coffee shop and there's the free magazines. They still exist. Those free magazines, they want bylined articles. Yeah, you never want to pick up one of those and just have it be the cover and then empty pages. That's not as interesting. They need stories. They need to hear from you. They need the content. I have a terrible habit of going to my services like my veterinarian. I've got an 18-year-old Husky right now. By the way, Guinness Book of World Records, I'm waiting to hear back from them. So we'll do a PR campaign on her if we definitely get the oldest Husky award. I tell all of my service providers, I'm like, you should write an article about the three things that you just told me to do with my aging. That's that kind of guidance to be able to take stories and content and guide the relationship so that it's successful in both paid media as well as earned media with the owned media that people have and even creating more owned media that is going to serve that purpose rather than just creating content without any idea of how it fits in to a larger picture, a larger strategy, or a larger campaign. And an important thing to ask that I ask all clients in a new client intake call is, and this is so hokey, but it really works. There's two things I would recommend is one, pretend you're talking to Oprah or Anderson Cooper and two, speak to a fifth grader. What do I mean by those two things? One, if you pretend that you're on a plane in first class and Oprah is sitting next to you or Anderson Cooper is sitting next to you or who Bill Ringle is sitting next to you, what do you want to say to them in 45 seconds? That's your pitch. Who are you in 45 seconds? And the whole thing about a fifth grader, I think it's really that if you're a do-it-yourselfer PR person, your fifth grader will tell you how to keep it simple. So many of us are completely speaking in theory and we don't have enough sensory. What does it smell? What does it taste like? What does it look? That's what makes for good TV. That's what makes for good interviews, right? Just the sensual part of sharing things with each other. So that fifth grader will tell you straight up, I don't understand what you're talking about. Great. Now you got work to do. That's good news. It's nothing wrong with that. It's something that we all go through to be able to iterate and become better and better because there's an art to it as well as a craft. 
Correct. Michelle, your experience in these areas really comes through. So I have a question for you. Are you ready for the My Quest for the Best lightning round? Yeah. All right. So at the beginning of the show, I asked about someone who influenced or inspired you. What I'm going to ask you now is when you were a teenager, Michelle, what was the song that you loved? Kick by NXS. Because I like to kick it either at the gym or on the phone. Just kick it. Kick. Like there's, I just see the head guy of NXS and he's just saying kick. And I just imagine like in a kickboxing thing, just kick, right? Gets the energy up for sure. So with your mission to help people get their media, to get their stories into earned media locations so that more people can benefit from their expertise and more people come in to buy from the companies that are getting this extra media, what is it that you do week in and week out in order to keep your mission visible and not just keep working on your clients' assignments? Technology. Staying on top of technology, online press kits. And then also that's as far as a light around, always staying on top of technology. And as far as a personal round, working out at the gym, making sure you get enough sleep, that you eat and that you work out. Those things together, you're going to get it done quickly. Yes. What sources do you read on a weekly basis to stay informed of your industry, as well as to see what stories are landing in the press? I love to watch headline news every morning when I'm eating breakfast. So I highly recommend that. Google News, and I love to watch or read Psychology Today, actually, just because I have a master's degree in human development. I think that getting in the mindset of how we beat as a as humanity makes a huge difference when we're talking about the public good. What would you say is the best business advice you've ever received? Oh, this gentleman, uh, Mr. Marison, may he rest in peace, the second richest man that I worked for in Cincinnati. And he said, always go to the top. So he said that Mar- Marilyn Monroe was not very asked out very often because she was so beautiful and the middle guys were always scared to ask her out. So go for the top guy, go for the top gal. They're usually up there lonely. Don't go for the middle ones. Tell me, what's the worst business or life advice you ever received and lived to tell the story about? When people say, just say no, I say yes. So if you if somebody's telling you it's a definitive no, question that. Because uh, I have on my ceiling up here from E.E. E. Cummings, yes is a world. And in this world of yes, live skillfully curled all worlds. Oh, I love that. Tell me, what is the best $100 or so purchase you've made in the last six months? This webcam that I'm speaking on. It's all about technology today, baby. All about technology. What would you say is your definition of success? I know I'm being successful when... When I have the freedom to really be with my loved ones and explore the hobbies like my beekeeping, my mountain biking, my whitewater kayaking, my chicken keeping, being able to spend time with my, my spouse and just really savoring life. When that all comes together and I feel comfortable and safe with the business and the rest of the world, then I know I'm successful. It's a feeling versus a destiny. Very nice. And think about the last year or so. What would you say is the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've stopped in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? Stop eating so much sugar. I think that we overindulge and that moderation is key. So really with the pandemic, man, we've lost a lot. We've grieved a lot. And so why not celebrate and really nourish ourselves with, you can have the sugar, just not the whole bag. So moderation, go ahead and have it, go ahead and have the dessert, but not every day. Excellent. What kind of difference has that made in your life? Healthier, happier, just joy, just joyful. It's okay to have bread. My goodness, people, it's okay to have the dessert or a cocktail and just celebrate once in a while. But at the same time, discipline is also important. The next day, go work out. The next 
say maybe do a cleanse, that kind of balance in life is really what keeps us happy and healthy. When we're not doing that, I think that if you pursue joy, not only with your work, but also your structure and the way you do your life, that's when you have that experience of being satisfied. Michelle, you have shared so many great ideas about PR and life perspective in general. I want to thank you for reminding us about Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman, and also helping us understand the differences between authoritative and user-generated content, looking at the different classes of media and where someone listening to this might be fitting in their own assets of paid assets as well as earned assets. All of those are important and you shared examples about what a difference it made for Landmark to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal talking about how to stay friends instead of fighting and breaking up. All of these reasons and for so many more, Michelle, I want to thank you for joining me on my quest for the best. So delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Michelle, before we say goodbye for now, where is it that people can find out more about you and your work online? They can go to wasabipublicity.com and we have a blog there and we also can do a free PR consultation if you're thinking that this is something for you. Just let us know what kind of help. Michelle, that is so kind of you and we're going to link to Wasabi PR. We're going to link to your book and all of your social media to make it super easy for people to stay in touch and keep up with what's going on in your world. Thank you so much. We'd love to see you at wasabipublicity.com and if you you need a free copy of this, we're going to give every listener a free copy if they'd like that. We're going to link to that on the show notes to make it super easy for people to find. It's so nice of you again to offer. Michelle Tennant, author of 21 Day PR Action Guide. I want to thank you once again for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on My Quest for the Best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course material, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on My Quest for the Best. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.